All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man comics from April of 1984. That's right. And we have to mention that we have a returning special regular guest who's been on about <laughs> 25 episodes in a row, G.I. Jolie. Are you sick of me yet? Here I am. <laughs> I love that Jolie's like title gets longer and longer every episode. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we'll have to I'm think like of royalty. a really... Yeah, exactly. We'll have to think of a really good title for our other special guest this week. We've been trying to get you on for a while, and tonight is finally the night. Our good pal, Ricky Lima. Hey, hey. That was uh, my my Babu freaking friend. That was my favorite character in uh, Skyward. Me too, man. Me too. He's so good. So yeah, uh, why doesn't, like obviously we've known you for a while, we've interviewed you on Comic Book Syndicate about yeah, 17 man. times, but for those of you that have missed all those interviews, why don't you tell everybody what you do? Uh, well, I write comics and I make books, and, uh, and that's pretty much it, man, that's all I really do. <laughs> uh, I don't do much else, I just make comics and make books. Uh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, Why don't you, you tell? Know, yeah, it's fun for the most part until you're yeah? like, "Wow, I'm like spending a lot of money on this." But <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> oh, I hear you. I hear you. So, why don't you tell us? Uh, tell everybody like some of the comics that you've written. Yeah. So I. So my first book was Deep Sea. It's like a horror environmental story, and then after that was uh, Black Hole Hunters Club, which is the uh, the. Um, is it's like a action sci-fi comedy thing and you guys interviewed us tons of times for <laughs> black hole Hunters Club. that's right and then um after that was happily ever after which is about uh, a princess who gets kidnapped and then uses a dating app to find knights to come and rescue her my and personal I'm, favorite oh thank you now <laughs> now i'm working on a book called undergrowth which is uh and it's like i i tell people it's about giant robots and mental health so it's kind of like you know, old anime, but also modern mental health struggles. So, <laughs> okay. mm -hmm. yeah, and That's we reviewed it cool. for uh, we That's reviewed nice. the first issue yeah. um, as a text review on the Comic Book Syndicate website. You can check you, that out there. You guys were the only people ever to review it. Really? What? Yeah. Well, uh, it's a well, shame because it's really good. If you're listening out there, this is your chance. And this yeah. is your man right here. If you ever Lime want to do an interview, this is the man. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sorry, say that again. I was talking over you. Uh, uh, LimePressOnline.com is where you can buy all the books. Awesome. And obviously, you're a regular fixture at the comic conventions in Toronto, uh, Windsor, uh, Chatham, Sarnia. L did you ever do London? I don't think you did London, right? No, I never did London. No. Okay, and uh, obviously because of COVID, unfortunately, uh, we don't know when that's going to happen again. I know we've we've missed a few cons this year, unfortunately, but um, mm -hmm. hopefully soon, right? There'll be a vaccine and we can get back to quote normal. Yeah, um, and, uh, what, I don't know. What's even going to be a con after all this, right? Like, yeah, I know. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be a different world, that's for sure. But that's okay, because we got Spidey to help us get through it, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, so, so, so here's the thing, uh, Ricky. I know 
I the one of the reasons we have you on the show is because I mean, obviously obviously because you're so like fun and you know funny and all that stuff and witty, but also because we know you like Bronze Age comics because I've seen you buy issue after issue of She Hulk, right? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was actually gonna tear these books apart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, feel free, feel free. Yeah. But but I know you like She Hulk, and what are what are some of the other ones you used to buy? Howard the uh, Duck was that one? Yeah, so I, I do have the entire run of She-Hulk and Howard the Duck. The Howard the Duck one I kind of bought because it was like really cheap, and I was like, yeah, Howard the Duck's all right, I guess. I think, didn't you buy those from me? <laughs> Sorry? Didn't you buy those from me? I think uh, you yeah, did. Yeah, I think I think I might have. Okay. Um, and then, um, yeah, She-Hulk is just awesome, so that awesome. one's pretty good. But She-Hulk's more of like the later Bronze Age, right? Like where like comics started to become like better so well wait a minute did you are you talking about the 70s stuff or the john Byrne now, stuff yeah i guess 80s? i'm talking about the john Byrne stuff like i do have the the, the 70s stuff but okay I guess, okay i guess the john Byrne stuff is really what i'm talking about oh uh, see this has been a, a miscommunication between our people and your people because <laughs> i thought all this time you were buying like the old savage she-hulk from the 1970s now, but now, i do have all that stuff but okay but you just I, don't I, like it it's fine. It's, it's okay. fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. So speaking of the, you know, peak of the uh, Bronze Age, let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 251. I mean, I know that you said you were going to tear these books apart, but I hope you won't tear this one apart too harshly. <laughs> uh, this is, so just to set this up quickly, this is part three of a three-part storyline featuring the Hobgoblin, Okay. Now, this is kind of an odd uh, spot for you to come in, Ricky, because this is actually the very, very last issue of Roger Stern's, uh, what is this, four-year run on Spider-Man. He had been doing Spectacular, and then he took over Amazing, and this is a very well-loved run by fans. And I kind of forgot about this, but this issue, he didn't actually write it, he just plotted it. And unfortunately... Uh, well, I'll say unfortunately, it was it was scripted by incoming writer Tom DeFalco, who has a completely different style, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, first, Ricky, I just want to know: Are you familiar? Are you familiar at all with Roger Stern or Tom DeFalco? Uh, not really. I know Tom DeFalco was like he's pretty big at Marvel, right? Or at least was. Yeah, well, he's a pretty big writer, and he was also the editor in chief after Jim yeah, Shooter yeah. left for like five, so, six years or something. Yeah, that's and, that's probably but, the extent of my knowledge there. Okay, okay, and the art is done by, again, the incoming new, new pens, the Ron Friends, and inked by Klaus uh, Johnson. Are you familiar with these two? Yeah, Klaus Johnson did uh, all that Frank Miller stuff. That's right, that's right, absolutely. And Ron Friends, he had a really long run on Spider-Man, as well as Thor, as well as Superman. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Nah, not really. All right, no problem, no problem. So these are some Marvel veterans, all of these guys. These are like Marvel mainstays in the 80s. And uh, like I said, this is the ending of um, a trilogy. But before we get into the interiors, I've got to talk about this cover. Because if I was, you know, 10 years old or 8 years old and I saw this <laughs> on the, the newsstand, this thing would have leapt out at me and demanded that I buy it. First, uh, Joshua Mervella, I want, I want to know what you think of this cover. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's it's dynamic and interesting and it pretty much tells uh tells you what you're going to get in, in the issue of like mm -hmm. Hobgoblin kind of finally being unmasked or defeated. Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Honestly, I, I think that I prefer like, like last issues uh, cover a lot more than this one. 
I thought that I this mean, one was pretty okay. Really? See, because I love last issue, but I also like this one. Like, just the simple image of Spidey's hand coming up, grabbing the mask. I don't know. I love that. Gia Jolie, uh, what about you? Yeah, it's a good image. It's not inside the book, which is fine. But it right. has to do with the story. Right. And it's not yeah. some variant cover that I have to deal with. Like, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's a good cover. <laughs> uh, Ricky, uh, you are a comic book creator. What do you think of this cover? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's good. Um, I mean, clearly this is from when Marvel did those like remasters in 2015, right? So it's not exactly like what it should look like, you know what I mean? Oh, you mean the color, right? Yeah, yeah, like the coloring is like so bright oh, yeah. and vibrant. It's like, oh my God. Right, right. But um, <laughs> I mean, I'd be interested to see what it like looks like in print, you know, like sure. newsprint and stuff. Uh-huh. But as it is now, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I got to point out this is uh, drawn by Ed Hannigan, who did some really cool issues of Spectacular Spider-Man that were kind of Steve Ditko-esque, and we were raving about those. So, uh, I think at one point Ed, Ed Hannigan was the art director at DC, and so even though he's not really a fan favorite, he's obviously respected in the industry. So I think covers like this are partly why. But let's quickly talk about the plot in this story. So uh, in the last issue, Spidey and Hobgoblin had just finished up a battle. And a fire had started by the Hobgoblin by accident, and he has basically destroyed the journals of the Green Goblin. And he's been studying the Green Goblin, trying to figure out all of his secrets, all of his secret hideouts, how he got his powers. And he did manage to duplicate this like potion that he took to give him uh, super strength, but he still had a lot of you know journals to read and unfortunately he didn't make any copies so they're all destroyed now so anyway he's all pissed off at spidey so he jumps in his hobgoblin van or whatever it's called and he tries to kill spider-man but spider-man manages to get out of the way by holding on to the bottom of the van and then you know uh action ensues where spider-man it's like an indiana jones thing where he's like crawling on the front of the van and hobgoblin's sure he's safe because the glass is so powerful uh it's like enforced jet age plastic but spidey manages to smash through it right or almost smash through it but he's cracking the window and then just as we we cut to this coffee shop with these two guys actually it's a bar they're sitting drinking beer and then the van smashes through and uh it should have killed them but somehow they survived but um basically uh yeah hobgoblin continues to drive on in on his way. I thought he went into the van, the bar, but I guess I was wrong. Uh, Spidey is now trying to rip his way into this van. You know, again, fighting ensues. ensues. He's Hobgoblin's using his, um, what are these things called here that he uh, disorientates him with? I don't even know what these are. doesn't matter. Um, so they have like a big fight scene. And, uh, oh, and also we have to point out that Spider-Man's spider sense has been... Um, affected by the hobgoblin but he's sort of getting it back now then they end up making their way into the river the fight continues in the river and it's kind of funny because they guess spider-man guesses that they're in the hudson river just because he can tell that they're in water and so we get a cool peter parker moment where even though he doesn't like the hobgoblin he still tries to rescue him right because he's a hero uh so then we cut to the exterior uh, Spider-Man comes up, no sign of the hobgoblin. He goes back down. We see the mask come up, which inspired the image on the cover here. And then we uh, we cut over to the subplot where, in the previous issue, J. Jonah Jameson had been blackmailed by um, somebody. It was the hobgoblin. He was basically blackmailing him to tell him that he knows that J. Jonah Jameson funded 
uh, the Scorpion costume way back in like Spider-Man number nine or whatever. And uh, J. Jonah Jameson has, instead of getting, you know, threatened, he decided, well, I'm just going to admit it to the public. But then to kind of punish himself, he ends up stepping down as the editor-in-chief, hands the paper over to Robbie Robertson, but he is staying on as editor. Or sorry, publisher, publisher. So then <laughs> Peter uh, goes and... Now, this is where it gets a little bit funny. So then Peter goes to have a moment with Harry Osborn. So they're kind of catching up, talking about the Green Goblin, talking about the Hobgoblin. And then Peter has been getting these blasts of spider sense the last few issues, and he doesn't know what's causing them. So then he decides to, you know, he's, he's going to investigate, you know, his spidey sense. You know, something's telling him to go somewhere. So then he goes to the middle of Central Park, and he sees this gigantic metal alien thingamabob. And he does what anyone would do. He just goes into it, right, to find out what's going on. Then he disappears. And at the bottom, it says, at the bottom of the last page, it says, to be continued in Marvel, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars number one. And we will get to that. We'll talk about that later. But before we get into any of that, first, Ricky, I want to know, have you ever read any 80s Spider-Man before? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've read 80s Spider-Man before. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, as a kid, uh, I would read a lot of my brother's comics. And he awesome. had a lot of comics from uh, from that time. Like, the, what, 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 it was like Foes of Spider-Man, I think it was. Oh, the something. Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. Yeah, That's like yeah. early, early 90s, actually. With like yeah. Boomerang Guy and like the Beetle Guy. That's <laughs> right. Boomerang and the Beetle. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Something like that. And um, yeah, I've read a lot of a lot of stuff and. I don't know, man. Old old school comics, or like this one in particular, it's it gets annoying that they just explain what's going on all the time. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's like this is the third episode where someone has pointed that out. You know, so like Mike, your your um like description of the issue was like you know ten minutes long, but it's like literally nothing happened in this book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) Hobgoblin is like. I'm going to escape. Spider-Man stops him. And then that's it. <laughs> you know? Okay. Like I'm just going to quickly counter your point, And I'm going to say, it is unfortunate that you come in on Spider-Cast number 58 because the first 57 episodes had, had Roger Stern's scripts. And I have a feeling if Roger Stern scripted this, like if you were to read the last issue, I think you would find it much better because Roger Stern is a better writer. As far as the plot of this issue, I don't think, I don't mind that the plot is a little bit thin only because I know that the crossover with Secret Wars was kind of shoehorned in at the end. So no matter what happened, they had to set that up. But I will agree with you that there is a noticeable difference in the dialogue and in the captions over explaining everything even more so than like Roger Stern did it a little bit. But this was noticeable. Like I, I that annoyed me, too, as well. So I will agree with you about that. Yeah, it was a little unfortunate because, uh, again, this is like the final chapter in this story and uh you're we're really kind of jumping in with this book at like the climax of the story and it's it's kind of just like that final battle that final confrontation and uh there really isn't much of a story going on it's kind of just the two of them fighting and and that like you know finishing off that story which Mm -hmm. doesn't make an interesting book but i think uh together with the other two issues it feels like it fits so 
with context, I think this works uh, just fine as like a conclusion. Without context, just jumping in this being the first book, I I think that it kind of fails to be a good story and, and interesting really at all because. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really understand what's going on because nothing really important is going on. Um, it's really just kind of this big car chase, and then we jump into this like uh, secret wars ending. So, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Where this is definitely not the strongest uh, issue we've read on on Amazing Spider-Man, but um, I think with a little bit of context, it does help. But um, I don't think that's necessarily an excuse either so yeah G.I. Jolie what do you think yeah this is all pretty much like the majority of anything that happened was all recapping even that bird outside mm-hmm. agrees that this was garbage um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it but he's super angry for some reason but anyway um, before any action happened they would recap what happened in the last um, the last uh, the last book and it's like Right. Okay, cool. And also, it was just one big... It was like a big... Uh, it was like 22 pages of a fight. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, and then, if it wasn't drawn so well, I wouldn't have cared. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get we do get a little bit of a conclusion at the end with Harry and J. Jonah Jameson, but again, it feels like mm-hmm. without context, it doesn't really fit into the story, and you don't really... Uh, like... I don't know. I, you you need the other issue to kind of get the context of what's going on with J. Jonah Jameson and with Harry. Yeah. So it feels really kind of tacked on with just this book. Um, it's such a waste of a great cover because it's like if I would have if I would have seen this cover on a newsstand and never have read Amazing Spider Man up until this point and only picked up this issue as somebody who is just curious based on the cover, I'd be like, what the heck is going on? Right. Even with well, a recap, it's it doesn't work out, and it's yeah. There's barely anything here. Also, I, I want to quickly talk about the art. Uh, GI Julie, you mentioned that you liked the art. Did you notice that it, the pencil was different this issue? Like did that stand out to you? No. <laughs> I okay. Can't. Okay. Unless I unless I see an actual, I don't I don't notice that it's different until I actually see that there's like a name. Sure. Okay. I I like I I wasn't I don't really look for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. The art was uh, the art was fine. Right. Yeah. The storytelling was still good, but I, I can see like they're a little bit sloppier. The pencils. Uh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. that the the figures don't seem as solid as John Romita Jr. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really notice at first because I was just kind of like excited to see the conclusion of the story but then as it was going on it just had like a different feel to it and i actually went back to read who it, like, to see if it was john Romita. and yeah it, it um so it, I, I think that it does a good job of tr- like uh you know they do a good job of trying to emulate what had happened like what the what did the uh sorry i'm all jumbled up in my words like the style yeah they, they did a really good job of emulating that style and and continuing the story so it doesn't look crazy different um mm-hmm. but i could definitely tell i think probably just because we have read so many amazing spider-man issues with john romita jr doing the penciling that you could right. uh, that i could just kind of spot the the differences right away 
Yeah, it got super muddy after the big battle, and it's just him and Harry in Central Park. I'm assuming it's Central Park. Um, or, or whatever park they're in. Once it got to that point, it, the art just, the, the inks especially, and got really muddy. I'll always fault a remastered color because they're always terrible. These are especially terrible. Um, but yeah, what, yeah, once it got to, what, once it got to that point in the story, and then they introduce this huge hideaway uh, that he discovers, that's when you know. And then I actually read, <laughs> it wasn't until I read the, the editor's note in, in the back of the book. I don't usually read it, but I read it this time for some reason. And he explains everything there where he was. And that's how I knew it was somebody different. Not necessarily mm -hmm. who it was, but like, yeah, that's where he goes in to tell everybody, this is what's happening with the team. This is what's going on uh, on the Spider-Man books. And you'd be crazy to not continue to pick up the book, even though it's two different people at the at the helm of the ship now. So it's like, okay, so it's going to be not great. <laughs> Fine. So, yeah. uh, Ricky, our, our good pal Shane who you work with is a comic book artist. So I know, you know, comic yeah. book art. <laughs> what do you think of the art on this issue? I, yeah, the art's pretty good. Uh, I really like when they use like the, I guess they're called like zip tones, like those like dots. So right, right. there's like, and it's like pretty cool. Cause like, that's like, they have to physically cut that out. You know what I mean? Right. And so especially like in the, in the, the boat scene where this, the skyline is all just dots. I thought that was pretty mm. cool. Right. Other than that, I mean, like, like everyone was saying, like, it's like, I wouldn't, like, I'm I'm not, like, jumping over the moon over this art, but it's still pretty mm -hmm. good. Like, it's really classic right. Spider-Man stuff. Right. So, and I really like, there's that scene where he rips the thing off of the Hobgoblin's truck, and he's, like, in right. silhouette, and you can see, like, he's, like, ripping it off. So, there's really mm -hmm. cool stuff going on, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my impression is there are some really good moments, but overall, it's definitely sloppier than John Romita Jr. So yeah, I, I think it helps to connect it with the other ones, uh, uh, having Klaus Janssen ink all of them in this right. <laughs> uh, in these books. So I feel like it was a a pretty smooth transition from uh, John Romita Jr. to uh, Tom uh, Ron Friends. Right, mm -hmm. right. Actually, so, I think he he only inked the last two, but still, it does definitely. That, sorry, that's what I mean, right? Like because it's uh, in this story arc, having him right. ink it because uh, Klaus Jensen had uh, previously inked the other two issues in this story. I think it was mm -hmm. a good transition, and I didn't. Again, I didn't notice till about halfway through that the the penciling was different. Right, right. So. Mm -hmm. So with that, I will say that I recommend this issue. Not nearly as good as, you know, the last. I mean, it's always it's always it's always simple to say, "Oh, Ricky, if you would have read the last 58, man, <laughs> yeah. it's so much better." But seriously, they were. So I recommend it, Ricky, but do you recommend this comic? Uh, like this comic alone? No. But okay. <laughs> but if, if it was like with everything else, sure, why not? Like I'm sure like the rest of it was pretty good. The Hobgoblin's always an interesting character because he's like, he's just like a rich guy, right? He's like, oh, I want to be a villain. Mm -hmm. 
so. I'm glad you like the Hobgoblin because so because we do too, <laughs> and that's why we started this podcast. But anyway, um, I yeah, mean, he's, he's great. Demo Goblin. That's probably the coolest one of all. But <laughs> he's coming soon, isn't it? Demon, isn't it? Demon Goblin, or did I have it wrong all these years? Um, I think it's like I don't know, shortened Demon oh. Demo okay, Goblin. Okay. We'll, we'll have to clear that up when we get to those issues. That's <laughs> yeah. coming soon for sure. Yeah, Julie, do you recommend it? Not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I would have to agree. This issue by itself, um, I don't think is anything spectacular. Uh, okay. But uh, I think that the story as a whole, with the three issues, um, this one really does. This 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 book does cap off that story pretty nicely, and. Uh, uh, this is one of my favorite story arcs uh, that we've read so far, so I would definitely recommend this. Uh, these three issues. Yeah. Right. Um, Go ahead, Ricky. Were you gonna say something? No, I was just gonna. I'm just flipping through it, and I just found this panel that is like probably the most pointless panel in the world, where he's like changing, and then he's like, "I hope my clothes are safe here. That jacket <laughs> is brand new." And you're like, "Why is this in the book? Like, who cares about Spider-Man's jacket?" Mm-hmm. Oh, because that's Peter Parker, and we always care about what's going on in his personal life, right? His clothes? I don't care about. His oh clothes. yeah, I care. I care about his clothes. I always have cared about his clothes. <laughs> we just gotta drive the point home that he is a pretty much penniless New York photographer, right? Constant. But you know, you know when we when we uh, do our She Hulk podcast, maybe you can. Explain the appeal of She-Hulk, because maybe Sweet. I just don't get it. I don't know. You don't right. like She-Hulk? I like She-Hulk, but I, I would never buy, you know, every issue of She-Hulk. What's wrong with you? She's the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Team Jen. <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to jump to Marvel Team Up. And uh, Josh, just so you know, we're kind of counting down here. This is, I think there's only 11 more to go. So here we go. The 11th okay. last issue. All right. Uh... What is this issue about? Okay, so we got Marvel Team Up 140. We've got <laughs> Spider-Man teaming up with the Black Widow. Um, this one was an awful. <laughs> uh, Is that a question? It's, I don't know. I maybe maybe I just uh, <clears throat> am so used to it. I'm just like, yeah, this is Marvel Team Up. But uh, <laughs> we start off the issue with this like. A widespread blackout in Manhattan, and we see these thugs, and they decide to take advantage of the situation. They start looting uh, and stealing from this pawn shop. And mm-hmm. uh, sorry, do you guys hear my dogs barking in the background? No, not at no. all. Okay, perfect. Okay, uh, so um, so we see uh, these thugs taking advantage of the situation, starting to loot and steal from a pawn shop and the owner tries to uh to come out and stop them and there's kind of this like showdown that happens and spider-man tries shows up and tries to stop everything and unfortunately the owner of the pawn shop was shot and killed spider-man was not able to save him um, and then after that, we start following uh, Black Widow. She's kind of swinging through the streets of New York and, um, in, in, in Manhattan and uh, it starts talking about her dinner date with uh, uh, Daredevil, Matthew Murdoch. 
and uh, Matt Murdock is unable to join her on this dinner date because he is dealing with all of these people that were arrested during the the blackout. <laughs> and uh, we see him in this like cr- like super crowded like uh, like courtroom or like the law offices, and there's like tons and tons of people there. Uh, and uh, uh, who is Peter Parker's there with Ben Urich? And he's there with the, you know, with the Daily Bugle trying to get the story. And it turns out that this kid was arrested for the murder of this pawn shop owner. Uh, uh, and uh, Ben, uh, Matthew Murdoch and Spider-Man both know that this kid didn't do it. So uh, they're going to try their best to, um, you know, get this guy off scot-free because he's mm-hmm. uh, turned his life around. So then we mm-hmm. see Spider-Man and Black Widow, they're swinging through the streets. They decide to team up and uh, mm-hmm. try to find some evidence to prove that this kid is innocent. So they go to this, like, uh, they track these guys down and they go to their house and they start punching and the guy who uh, ends up uh, being the one that killed the pawn shop owner runs away he he hijacks a car and kidnaps a little girl. And as Spider-Man is chasing the car, the car drives off of a bridge, ends up in the water. Spider-Man dives in and uh, gets the guy, saves the girl. And um, him and Black Widow kind of have a, a little chat afterwards. Spider-Man swinging. We have the same exact ending of uh, Spider-Man... Uh, his, senses, his senses seem to come back for a moment, and he swings over to this like giant spaceship in the middle of uh, Central Park, and he right. disappears. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's about <laughs> it. I mean, not you were fooled. <laughs> it's a uh, it's another issue of Marvel team up. That's for sure. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I will point out quickly. That this issue was um, written by, once again, Bill Mantlo from Spectacular and, uh, what's his name, Tom DeFalco from Amazing. So that's probably why it was marginally marginally better than an average issue, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have much to say about this one. I, uh, yeah. I, it, well, I might have liked it less than you. Yeah. What's the deal with uh, that Spider-Man, like, light like he uses it so many times. What is that? Is it just that like was, a gadget? Yeah, those just one of the one of the things he used to have back in all through the sixties, seventies, and eighties. But he just doesn't use it anymore. But yeah, it was kind of like how Batman has his bat signal. Spider Man has his little spider belt, but he uses it to kind of scare criminals before he, you know, descends in upon them and fights them. I guess. <laughs> it's. I like, think it's a pretty it's, cool gimmick, but he uses it against a car, and then the car like swerves out of the way. That doesn't. Make yeah. Sense. Like, yeah. I took umbrage with that tactic. Ugh. Even like when he uses it at the beginning of the issue. Um, did he use it in the alley? Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, he did. I yeah. I didn't mind it there because he's trying to intimidate the bad guys, trying to get them to to drop the electronics that they stole sure what's also weird is that he uses it on black widow later on yeah like she's just <laughs> like just to let her know he's there like he shines the light she turns right. around in shock and then he's like 
you know, drops down on his web and be like, hey, what's up, buddy? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, he seems to use it quite a bit in this issue. I think, again, at the end, like, uh, uh, like you were saying, Ricky, like, to, to have swerve a car out of the way? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. how does that work even? <laughs> ah, yeah. that light! It's like, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> the car just swerves out of the way of the light and drives off the bridge. Like, it's such a weird... <laughs> such a weird moment. Such a weird reason for this car to right. drive off. Yeah, and, like, was that his intent? Was to, like, endanger human lives in order to rescue the little girl? I don't know. Well, like, how... Well, and it's like, that's how he got... he That he ends the scenario with the kidnapping. It's like... Did he know that that was going to happen? And if not, well, his main in goal, doing what? Yeah, his main goal is to get that gun, right? So he could prove that the kid didn't kill him. And then at the mm-hmm. end, they're like, "Oh, that gun actually wasn't the one." J. K. And you're like, "Whoa, what? What was the point?" <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Yeah. I, I like the tw- like not, not the twist, but I like the story of trying to investigate the gun and all that. That's cool. But in a way, I feel like the writers are biting off more than they can, chew, more than they can chew. Like when they show these criminals sitting in their apartment and they've got all these TVs stacked up. Like I don't know anything about stealing TVs, but I have a feeling if you were part of that type of operation, wouldn't you be like have a fence or like a pawn shop or something right. be bringing these? You or maybe like a lock the on the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like they just they just walk in like. They, uh, Black yeah. Widow and Spider-Man open the door and they peek through like it's a Disney Channel original movie. Like right. their heads are like stacked up on top of each other as they like boink boink like peer into the doorway as these like goons are just like lounging around watching TV. One of them's like making out with making, babes. Yeah. They're not just watching one TV. They're watching all of the TVs. <laughs> watching yeah. two TVs stacked up on top there's of each like, other. Yeah, there's like 20 TVs. And he's I'm watching football twice. And like, <laughs> they not only did they have to steal the TVs, but then they had to get like a cable splitter to split up the cable to go into right. all, all the things. <laughs> well, I'm sure this is all antenna. Oh my God, that's a fire hazard for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, obviously none of the outlets are ground based on the condition of those walls. Like, right. just hazard waiting to happen. So, Ricky, how does this just, compare to Amazing? Oh, sorry, Jolie. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say I'm just relieved. Maybe that's... Maybe we can bring this up later, but you're going to ask Ricky something. Well, I think... So, you're asking, like, how it compares to the other one, and... Honestly, right. like I thought this one was like better actually than the other really? one. Uh mainly because like it's mainly just cuz the opening where like Spider-Man shows up and then the mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, I'll save you." And then the shopkeeper is like, "Nah, screw that. I'm going to kill these guys." And then he dies and you're like, "Oh, man, it's crazy." Um so that that was cool. But yeah, the rest of the issue wasn't very uh, interesting. But Mm-mm. but I like that initial premise. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that seems to be like the pattern with Marvel team up lately is that it's like, Oh, that's, that's a kind of an interesting setup. Like I want to see where they go with this. And then they just kind of go off the rails with the rest of the story. Things just start happening to get them through. Like, Oh, <laughs> right. We call this one Spider-Man and black widow. So maybe we should somehow <laughs> try to make that happen. Huh? 
Right. Because yeah. because they just end up running into each other and like they like I, I love the idea like like Mike was saying, like they're investigating a murder. They're they're trying to track down evidence of, you know, like trying to find a gun or something to link uh to link somebody else to this murder. And what do they do? They're just like, eh, maybe they're maybe they're in, they're in this building. Like, oh yeah, we'll just open the door and start like looking for goons. Like, do they? They don't really do any investigating. They don't do any like problem solving. They're just like, yeah, I think the I think this is the building where the bad guys went to. So let's just uh, go in here and start throwing punches. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the one thing that, like, is concurrent, at least, or consistent throughout these books is Peter Parker's distrust of, quote, super-powered women. I just, I can't deal with it anymore. There's two whole freaking pages of it in this one. And, like, um, again, this episode falls victim and Vicky Ricky falls victim to the whole we've been talking about black cat for a while too she's been sort of like on Peter's mind and it comes up in this issue as well where um he, like <laughs> he accuses he doesn't accuse he just makes fun of black widow he's just like he's like black widow what are you doing here did you lose your contacts <laughs> you know what Go after yourself, Peter. Yeah, um, yeah. She's completely capable of helping. Yeah. Um, that's not that's not any way to treat somebody who is like also who you know professionally as a superhero. Right, 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 right. Like it's just rude. And then while they're swinging around, he even compares her to Black Cat and says that she's what the Black Cat could become. Should she survive the dangers of the hero's life that she wants to share with me? It's like, buddy, buddy, you think very highly of yourself. Go, yeah, it's like, come on. You didn't have to. They muddied the story. Yeah. Like the. Hello? Hi. Yeah. Oh, sorry. For once, they didn't. It wasn't like a complete shoehorn. It kind of was like shoehorning another Marvel character into a story with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it was done with some grace. It made a little bit of sense um, by introducing Matt Murdock and then introducing Black Widow in a weird way where it was like she was waiting to go on a date with Matt. But whatever. Right. She sure, she gets yeah. into the story and I buy it. It's the way that they treat it after that. It's just like, you know what, Peter? Go after yourself. Yeah, it's really clunky, too, because, like, like so we, sh- we see previously that um, everybody knows that Natasha is the Black Widow. Like, mm-hmm. we see somebody in the crowd when she walks into the courtroom say, look, the Black Widow. Like, we know that mm-hmm. she's there. So... Then we see Peter Parker talk to Matt Murdock, and and he sees Black Widow there. And then we just have it happen later on that they just so happen to bump into each other. Like, why didn't they just have Peter Parker, like, purposely go find her? Yeah. Like, isn't that that a better way to have them team up instead of like, oh, you're looking for these bad guys too? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, because... (laughs) And this is... I don't know why they do this, but they're always, like... The writers are always doing this with the female characters, and this is what I've noticed. 
she doesn't compromise with Spider-Man and say, hey, we're both heroes. Let's work together while Matt, you know, is busy doing arraignments as a public servant. Like, he's clearly busy. So why don't me and you go and look for evidence to exonerate this kid? No, instead, she's like, oh, I'll go find the evidence for you, Matt, because I love you. <laughs> and it'll make you love me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 such a... <laughs> it's gross. Uh, yeah, I, for me, I just found this issue kind of a fill-in. Like, I, I thought the art was, even though it's Ron Friends again on breakdowns, it's, it's sloppy. And I thought yeah. I thought the this premise was decent, but again, too much exposition, too wordy. So it kind of, it's not a terrible issue, but it just made me not really want to read it, you know? And I, I definitely don't think I would recommend it or read it again. No, uh, and then the way that they tied it into... I like that they're attempting to tie it into Spider-Man disappearing for Secret Wars right? by introducing that little point at the end where he disappears in the park. But it's right. like, when did he do this in between fighting Hobgoblin? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Because if that happens right after this point, then that means the, the Hobgoblin fight had to happen like in between panels. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird that they didn't just say like a week later. Oh, sorry. in the top, it, you know it, what I mean? It like, does. It says one day later. It says oh. one day later he returns to Central Park to re re rejoin his friend Harry Osborne. Okay, so they did cover. Yeah. That. Well, but still, in the timeline is the very previous issue. In, in, issue. in amazing or in no in Marvel Team Up, they actually say it on the second last pa on page nineteen. Oh, one, yeah. So they oh, okay. I must have just missed yeah. that then. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But even still, even if it is a day later, that's still not enough time for him to, you know, be you know, storming around well, the I, city with Hobgoblin. Right. It's just I guess, I guess, so yeah. weird. Because you're right. Because that would mean he also would have had to have done the other two parts of the Hobgoblin story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really add up. But anyway. Um, so, Ricky, do you recommend this issue? Are you going to read it again? Uh, yeah. It's okay. It's okay to say no. <laughs> no, I think I think it's fine. Like if you're interested in old comics and like Spider-Man and Black Widow, I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's better old school comics out there for sure. So I mean, I wouldn't read it again, but <laughs> I'd recommend it to someone who's interested. Sure. All right, Gia Julie. Mm, nope. Okay, Josh? No, uh, I, I definitely would not recommend this one. Again, Marvel Team-Up consistently, to me, feels like just a commercial for another comic. And they just right. drop Spider-Man into somebody else's story to get you mm -hmm. to read them. And I, I'm assuming that's what Marvel Team-Up really is about. But uh, there is a way to make even a commercial have some sort of, like, heart or like you know interesting story happening and it just doesn't do it for me so i uh don't think i'm gonna recommend this one right yeah. right uh i don't recommend it either i also got to point out the covers by ed hannigan and klaus johnson again and it's not very good i did not like this cover yeah Dude, he, he's spraying her with the spider light, man. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The cover is even the spider light. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the it's terrible. My favorite. 
But anyway, okay, so now we're going to jump to Peter Parker. Um, now, usually G.I. Jolie summarizes this issue, unless, Ricky, you would like to have the honors. No, I, I really want to hear Jolie rip this one apart because of the whole okay. Black Widow thing. Oh, okay. shit. Okay, well, <laughs> again, <laughs> like most of these books, it's just recaps of the books that happened before them. So um, they go back to the whole um, uh, Kingpin. Oh, I, can't, I forgot his name for a second. Yeah, um, Wilson Fisk. And it was the issue where, where Cloak and Dagger were there, which I also barely remember. Uh, they, they're talking about, um, they're ta- sorry, Kingpin is talking with his manservant about Spider-Man. Manservant. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, in the last, which I don't even care about. At this point, I don't care about. They need to find a way to destroy Spider-Man. They're plotting. Kingpin is a plotter. So anyway, the last issue it, we left off uh, where Felicia was just so dejected because she feels like she's she's the reason why Spider-Man's getting hurt. She's such a liability. <laughs> so she's going to go and search for superpowers, yeah. right? And everywhere, so she goes, she looks high and low, like um, pretty much showing her cards to every freaking person in the known universe that she can think of. So she thinks, okay, well, who could I go to first? Um, I will go and I will look for superpowers with Tony Stark. And she um, she goes to the offices, which are now owned by Obadiah Stane. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, okay, well, Tony's not here anymore. I, I best be on my way. So she thinks really hard or maybe not even hard at all. And calls the Fantastic Four. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as well as, well so as Hank, she, Hank Pym. Well, she calls the, oh, yeah? the uh, Fantastic Four, but then goes to the Avengers complex, right? Right. Yeah. And they all tell her everything that we have been saying on this podcast, <laughs> which is superpowers are not something that you can just... Like you are, she is powerful. She herself is powerful. She just doesn't like she, what she's seeking is um is sort of unnecessary. Uh, she, and the the Fantastic Four kind of are like we didn't ask for powers. Um, we were given them by accident, and it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, maybe we can help you in another way. And she's like, no, I don't care. I want power. Um, she doesn't want Sue's advice about love. Um, uh, I, I want power. Like, as if this is the only thing. She's very one-track minded at this point. And Felicia, the only, the only way she can solve her issue, um, and this seems to be the number one issue in her relationship, with Spider-Man is that she is not superpowered. So she continues on her search and she goes, well, when I was a criminal, I knew lots of people. So she goes and she asks a bunch of criminals. Um, she, she decides, you know, I'll go and find my old buddies who I used to like steal with. And I'll ask them if like, because they would know stupid okay (laughs) they obviously don't know because 
they're criminals. They have the exact same abilities as her, if not less, because she knows gymnastics and acrobatics. They just know how to pick locks and are and are also ultimate planners. So again, um, uh, fruitless pursuit. While she's walking away from like the seedy part of town where she was just talking to her criminal, like her past criminal buddies, uh, like a, a tinted car, she can't see who's in it, but somebody says, somebody drives up to her and says, hey, I see that you're looking for superpowers. <laughs> I know um, exactly how to give them to you. And she, they start talking about, um, still, is it Stillwell? Um, Dr. Harlan Stillwell. I'm familiar with that story in that lab. Um, that was the person who gave superpowers to the creature known as the fly. Um, if you accept my offer, meet me at the laboratory where all that went down and I can help you get su- be superpowered. So obviously, since this is her number one priority, um, she goes to that lab and she can't see the scientists who are talking to her because they're shining a big light at her. So they're only in silhouette and it doesn't really matter what they say to her. She's going to agree. She doesn't care what the consequences are. Um, what they, they tell her there's going to be, there's going to be testing, rigorous testing, rigorous testing in which she will be half naked or naked for all of it. But she's like, I don't care. I want superpowers. So they're like, cool, let's do this. So there's like a sort of montage <laughs> that shows mm-hmm. the rigorous testing. And finally, um, they're like, we're done. You have powers. And she's like, I don't feel any different. And they're like, well, you are different. And then they snap their fingers and <laughs> they test her. And like all tests, they bombard her with um, uh what it's like a real-time fight simulation where they just like bombard her with people covered in protective gear right and they 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 fight her and she notices that she is super powered not only does she still have her like acrobatic ability that comes in handy because it has always come in handy but it seems like that we're at whatever um wherever she is bad luck follows whoever tries to harm her so her good luck is good luck power that we thought she used to have but was just a result of her perfect planning and scheming has is actually turns into a bad luck power for her enemies Mm. so the testing that they've done on felicia has given everybody else bad luck (laughs) (laughs) what yeah, so she's like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. Because now now we're just retconning her old powers and calling them bad luck powers. Anyway, um, we're legitimizing them. Now it wasn't ingenuity and her physical ability. Now it's just superpowers and her physical ability, which should be more than enough to win Spider-Man's love. Not that it wasn't before. <sighs> my god this so just as she's yeah just as she's leaving kingpin reveals himself to her as her sort of benefactor and sponsor of these new superpowers and he says 
I need a favor from you. And she's like, well, what is it? He's like, well, not yet. Not yet. And then it cuts to Harry and Spider-Man in in the park. Spider-Man finds the compound and disappears. And that is our story. <sighs> it just it just really, really sucks. Because <laughs> we Black Hat's uh, powers bef- before mm-hmm. this were kind of ambiguous. Does she have powers? Everybody thought like, oh, maybe she has luck power. She, you know, it wasn't clear exactly whether she was a super he- human or not. And then mm-hmm. when they introduced her into uh, like this new story where she's a love interest for Spider-Man, they clearly, the writers clearly stated that she did not have powers. Mm-hmm. Right, so it was right. established in this story that no, she doesn't have powers. She never did. She was just really good at being a cat burglar, and mm-hmm. then they made it. They they made the story about that the fact that she does not have powers, and mm-hmm. because they didn't know where to go with it, they kept going back and forth. Will they? Won't they be together? Uh, does Spider Man love her for real, or does Black Cat? just like Spider-Man and not Peter Parker and this like awful back and forth that's just been going on and on for issues upon issues just to Mm -hmm. give her those same exact powers and now her origin story of the powers that she had before is that she loved (laughs) Spider-Man I want to be with Spider-Man so I'm going to have powers now even though before they were it was kind of written that she had powers it just wasn't clearly stated how she got them it's like the writers took that away the her powers away from her just to give them back uh with a shitty origin tied in with spider-man and it's (laughs) like yes here you go you are now a superhero because of another man and it's like uh, really did we have to do this like was this story worth it Mm -hmm. no it wasn't um even even on the cover (laughs) Don't hate me for what I did. I did it for your love. Like <laughs> again, gross. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Ricky. Yeah, uh, I gotta say, I hate the premise of this issue. I didn't hate reading it, but I hated the idea—the whole taking away the powers, giving them back, the exact same ones. Um, Ricky, how did you think this one compared to the other two? Um, well, I mean, I think this one was a little bit more interesting just because of how, like. Uh, like how shitty the concept was, you know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> you read it and you're like, how does anyone like think like this? Like what? Like as a writer, like what are you what are you thinking when you're writing it? Are you like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna show like how shitty she is? <laughs> like, like what is what is your goal here? You know what I mean? But um, yeah, so so just on that level is pretty interesting. But um, compared to the other ones, I I I'd honestly say the. Marvel Team Up was the best one out of all of them. So, really? Yeah, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, uh, well, but, uh, here's like I love this one scene where uh, Invisible Woman is like, "Hey, don't worry, I used to suck too." And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Was that necessary? You know, I don't know. Yeah, well, that was the the thing that I found hilarious is the fact that she's like, "No, I get it. I get it, Felicia," because. <laughs> I was the same way. I felt as inadequate as you. 
She's yeah. super powered though. But and then Felicia's like, get out of here with your with your advice. <laughs> if you're not gonna give me superpowers, Fantastic Four, I'm out of here. Like, really? Yeah. Okay. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> um, yeah. The thing is that despite all this, I actually enjoy the art a lot more. And I think it's uh, we've talked about this before, but Jim Mooney's inks are so good. And it just made mm. me, I don't know, I just found that the artwork, like the other art in the other two issues was, was so sloppy to me. And the art in this issue, even though Al Milgram's not a great penciler, I found the art much more enjoyable and clear and easy to follow. And even though this premise was idiotic, I didn't mind actually reading the dialogue and, you know, the narration and everything. So this oh, is yeah. crazy, but I think this one might actually be my favorite of the of the month. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, I didn't love any of them, and I wanted to love Amazing, but Amazing was such a disappointment after the other issues that I kind of... I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but I did. I didn't hate this one. I hated the premise, but I didn't hate reading it. I mm. see. I cannot stand this story with Black Cat. the the, the entire the the entire like past year worth of comics with Black Cat <laughs> is just yeah. awful. Like, uh-huh. I would rather, I'd much rather read Marvel Team Up than this because. It's the same story over and over again with these two, where at least with Marvel mm-hmm. Team-Up, there's, like, something interesting to be upset about. With Spectacular, I'm upset about the same thing over and over <laughs> again. <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Uh, oh, the, the story has gone on way... For far, far yeah. too long, and I'm, I'm over it at this point. I'm done. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like they're done with it, too. And um, what, yeah, what better way to close it out than with, like, the worst possible solution, but whatever. (laughs) Also, I got to point out, you know, that scene where she's talking to those criminals and they're, like, shining a light in her face. Um, The whole Mm -hmm. point of doing something like that, first of all, from the point of view of, like, a melodrama is to have the guys in silhouette, to have the light there, and it's to kind of keep the, you know, the hero, like, kind of figuratively in the dark. But then they actually show a reverse angle behind the spotlight. And then they show the room brightly lit with the light just in the middle of the room. Like, doesn't that kind of defeat the mood or whatever of of what they're trying to accomplish? Do you guys agree? Yeah, it's weird. It's like, it's like, it was like this, like, intense dramatic moment and then somebody just flipped the light switch on in the room right right exactly <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh, so that very was, strange I that was funny yeah but, um, like i think we we're we were meant to be in awe of uh some kind of facility and the amount of scientists that are in there mm-hmm. but like they did it in one panel and elected to do the testing montage in a bigger panel on the next page so the big reveal that she's in a science lab didn't go over so well in the itty bitty panel. But hey, it's a very god honoring bikini that they put her in. So nice. right, yeah. that's what I'm here for. Yeah, so very I tasteful. Know, Ricky, what did you think of the art in this issue? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I it's fine. I'm not like 
again, like losing my mind over it. Like, I, I feel like you, Mike, are like more into certain styles and like you can sure. like pick out people's stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I just noticed like there's a lot going on in every panel, right? Like each page has like, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, like seven on average, like mm-hmm. seven panels or pages. It's crazy. So mm-hmm. he doesn't really have a lot of room to like do anything interesting like the artist. And also, too, it's just like people talking. There's no real action until the end when those goons show up. So you can't really be like, well, fine. Like the action and stuff going on in it is is not very interesting. So I can't be like, oh, the artist did a good job. <laughs> so it's, it's tough to say. But they had to Understood. get through a lot of story, I guess. I right. Um, I guess yeah. the, one of the... Th- Oh, the one thing I want to talk about, though, uh, we briefly touched on this, but what do you guys think about each of these three issues having the exact same ending that leads into Secret Wars? Uh, yeah, I get it. Um, they're they're doing this big crossover event, and they want they want readers to like they want it to be clear for readers that read mm-hmm. the next issues what's going on. Like there is this large event, so I'm assuming that next month and, and on the next podcast we're going to be talking about spider-man in space for every single issue that's amazing marvel team up and spectacular so i get it um i don't i don't think it really took away from this story it's just kind of like a nice teaser like stinger for the next one sure the, it wraps up it wraps up the story that's going on and then jumps into this you know uh secret wars ending Oh, it's fine. I didn't, I didn't really yeah, care. Yeah, and this was the first time they ever really did that. Unfortunately, they seem to do it practically every month now in Marvel and DC Comics, <laughs> yeah. which I don't like. Well, but what I find interesting is that they've essentially they paid an artist writer team <coughs> that they've paid them like three times to do the exact same thing. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. So yeah. Like, <laughs> why didn't they just have like have it once and then that's it? Or like you know put in the art from Amazing Spider-Man, just plop it into this one. Yeah. It seems weird that they did it three <laughs> different times. Or at least have like the <laughs> same angle, the same layout, and then have the inker right. ink it differently. But yeah, you're right. Like they're drawn differently too. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of pointless too. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. or you just stick like an ad for Secret Wars at the back of the book. Like, yeah, that's essentially well, what but, these are. You know? Yeah, totally. But you got to sneak it into the story so that the reader thinks they have to buy Secret Wars, right? Yes. So, but let me ask you, Ricky. Do you know what happens in Secret Wars for Spider-Man that's so important? Well, he gets his black suit, doesn't he? That's right. And we're gonna be reviewing it. We're going to be reviewing Secret Wars on this podcast in two weeks, so be sure to tune in for our live episode with special guest Bex Luther. That's a little plug right there, just like they did for Secret Wars, right? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so overall, uh, uh, okay, I, I actually, like I said, recommend this issue. It was probably my favorite to read this month. Uh, Ricky, do you recommend it? Um, no, this one I don't Okay, recommend. <laughs> Jolie. Nah, if you really need to know what happens to Black Cat, just read her Wikipedia page. <laughs> Save yourself yeah. the continued heartache. Oh my God. Okay, Josh. No, no I, I don't. I definitely don't recommend this issue. I mean, I, you know, I think Jolie kind of, it makes sense what Jolie said. Read the Wiki page instead because reading just this issue to figure out like 
how she actually got her powers. It doesn't really matter. Like, nothing actually happens. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't tie into a, a bigger story that's really happening because there is no story. Like, mm-hmm. nothing is actually happening. Like, right. it feels like I'm running on a treadmill mm-hmm. with this story. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm exhausted and I've been running for days, but I haven't uh-huh. gone anywhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, nothing. I mean, and even this in this issue in particular, like nothing really stands out. Things just kind of happen. Like Black Cat is running from person to person, and she just like she goes to the lab where the fly was tested on, even though that she was there and knows that the fly is kind of weird and whacked out and and hit like. However, he got like in whatever way he got his powers, like it kind of went wrong because he's not all right in the head. She goes anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. even down to the weird cat fetus in the in the moon, <laughs> and, like the the like splash page, like nothing makes sense in this. I don't like this issue. I do not recommend. Okay, so uh, Ricky, we brought you in a kind of a weird week. But um, cool, I'm yeah. thinking that if we bring you back when Peter David takes over, I think uh, you're going to like those those issues. Are you familiar with Peter David's writing at all? Uh, a little bit. I think I've read a couple of his stuff, but I'm not sure. Yeah, when I read these issues, I was worried that you guys like liked them, and I was like, man, what's wrong <laughs> with these people? But glad to hear that because I don't like them either. No, we're pretty much on the same page. I, I'm probably a little bit more forgiving because I read these when I was growing up, so I, they're like they have a special place in my heart. But I can definitely see the massive flaws, you know. And also in the case of Amazing Spider-Man, because I've read, I've already read that issue five or ten times, so I sur- I definitely see this time around as the last time I'm ever going to read it. Yeah, and I, so. I find that interesting, right? Like, these books were written for, you know, 10-year-old kids. So right. so as adults, us, like, looking at them and being highly critical of them is probably not, you know, not very good in terms of, like, what they were trying to accomplish. But at the same right. time, too, like, you have these people, these kids who are being influenced by these books that are telling them that this female superhero sucks. You know what I mean? Right, so it's, it's right, kind of interesting right. to see that, you know, people are growing up and they're like, yeah, you know what? These females, they do suck. What you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to be like, well, this book is raising misogynist because clearly Mike, you're not. But, <laughs> but I, I, but I like, did learn my know, values from Peter these, Parker, but yeah. Yeah. There's like these, these things that we're seeing now with people who grew up with comics who all of a sudden they have like these weird ways of thinking of comics. And then looking back at these issues, you're like, oh, okay, I can kind of see how they evolved from being a kid reading this to, like, these weirdos now. You know what I mean? To being an incel, yeah. <laughs> I totally know. Or a comic skater. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, well, the, that's actually a good point. And the thing is, is even the good thing about these Bronze Age comics is even if their issue itself isn't good, there's always something to talk about, right? As far as, like, reading, like, the subtext of what they were thinking. Right when they were writing them. So there's always a good discussion with these comics. And we definitely want to thank you, Ricky, for joining us because we'd love to have you on again because you had a lot of good points to make. Uh, G.I. Julie, were you going to say something? No. Oh, <laughs> listen. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, I was going to say, it was a, it, actually, no, it was to Ricky's point where not only is it raising misogynists, but it's raising uh, a culture of readership that excludes 
half of its population, yeah, yeah. half of the population yeah. of the earth. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't pick up a book and see myself in it. Not only are the faces not reflective of my race, um, but the women right. aren't reflective of women that I w- would aspire to be like. Yeah. There is nothing heroic about being a slave to a man <laughs> who is superpowered and having your only objectives be to gain superpowers to appease them. Right. It's just strange. And it doesn't create a space for a girl to be comfortable reading this kind of stuff. And honestly, they wonder why um, they, uh, comic skaters, I don't know. They, I don't know who they mean, (laughs) but they wonder why it's always talked about in a very comics are always talked about in a very gendered way. It's because it's a very gendered space and in some ways, not a very good gendered space. Right. Yeah. Like it's one thing to be like, okay, Peter Parker is a white straight guy. You're like, okay, fine, whatever. And then like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of other white straight guys in it. You're like, okay, fine. But if you're actively (laughs) trying to like disparage someone else, it's like, why, why are you doing this? it's like you could have a story full of just straight white guys and not belittle anyone else and everyone would be fine with it you know what i mean so so it's not not just like you know oh yeah this book is like you know it's too many white people it's just right you're you're actively disparaging other people you know what i mean yeah and this is definitely not the first time they've done this in spidey comics that we've been uh, reading for the show um, this is definitely a recurring thing, and I think that there there's a very big difference between um, writing for kid, like like having your target audience be ten year olds, and you know excusing the the shitty writing, and, and, and mm-hmm. you know using the excuse of oh it's for kids as like that's so that's so bad like. Just because the target demographic is children does not mean that the the story should reflect that. The story doesn't need mm-hmm. to you know suffer because of that. You can have a right. good story that kids will like without having to yeah. dumb things down for them. Hundred percent, right? And so. we've seen it with most of Roger Stern's you know Spidey comics, and mm-hmm. as well as plenty of other comics from this era. So yeah, you're right. There's really no excuse to have a bad comic. Um, <laughs> yeah, unless you suck. okay on that note we definitely would like to thank you for finally joining us ricky we'll absolutely have you on again soon as long as you're up to it what do you think yeah man anytime awesome Awesome. and uh, well we're looking forward to uh seeing you um hopefully at a comic convention of some kind i know in your future i got so many books that people aren't buying oh geez i gotta get them we'd love to help you in any way we could Mm -hmm. So that's Lime Press Online. (laughs) That's where you can go to find all the books. All of them. Yeah, and and also, you know, check out our interviews with Ricky Lima and Shane Heron on Comic Book Syndicate. We've got plenty of them. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, talking about your books and I, I feel know, like guys. I feel like a minor celebrity in Windsor because of all the amount of times I've been on the TV station. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, you know, if in Windsor, you're probably yeah, you're you're like uh, you're one of the most famous faces in Windsor. That's a total possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, man. Sweet. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we'd like to thank Ricky Lee. We'd like to thank GI Jolie and uh, Josh. You can take it from here. 
yeah, we, we also want to thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, it really helps when you leave a review over on Apple Podcast, or uh, you can drop us a line on Twitter at, at HCTSpiderCast. Um, you know, let us know what you guys think about the, the podcast, about the issues that we're reading. Uh, we'd like to keep that conversation going. And you can find us pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts at Here Comes the Spidercast. So, yeah. That's right. And we we review a different batch of Bronze Age Spidey comics every week. Next week is a very special episode in which we will be reviewing some Spider-Ham comics with special guest Jay Fosgett. So be sure to, ch- uh, to tune in. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spidercast. All right. See you then. Oh, <laughs>